Welcome to the Park Church Sermon Podcast. This is the audio portion of our weekly sermon. For more resources, check the show notes or visit www.parkchurchdsm.com. We'd also like to invite you to check out our weekly podcast, Inside the Park, where we take Sunday to the weekday. Available everywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Well, amen. As we embark on this second year, uh, we have someone certainly to thank, and that is our sending church, Soteria, and they've sent you a little video to congratulate you on one year. So here it is. I don't know if you can go back and show me. There it is. Congratulations. Park Church. Hey, we're so excited for you all. And from our church, Soteria, to yours, happy one-year anniversary. We're praying for many more fruitful years of ministry. Have a great day celebrating. Congratulations. Congratulations. First time I saw that video, I was like, guys, do I really have to show this? It's a little embarrassing. I have no words, but they, they're awesome. We so appreciate the generosity from Soteria and their partnership. And they've given us over $350,000. And so we're very grateful to them. And we're very grateful to the 40 adults they sent with us to begin this church at the very beginning. So we're very grateful to Soteria and those that are represented there. And I just want to say a special word of thanks to my wife. Um, she asked. You can give her a hand. Thank you. Love you. And if you've got a Bible, let's go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 1 to 18 will be our text this morning as we continue in this series looking at shepherds. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. If you need a Bible, you can look behind me. You can follow along on the app, which is the CSB is what I'm using. And uh, let's read this together. I know you just sat down, but how about we stand for the reading of God's Word? How's that sound? Let's stand together. We're a word-centered church, and so we believe God's word through his spirit has the ability to change you right now, right where you're at. So let's hear the word of God this morning. Truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. When he's brought all of his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will come and go and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them, runs away when he sees a wolf. He runs away when he sees it coming. The wolf snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand. He doesn't care about the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep. They are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I've received this command from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The Bible loves shepherd and sheep metaphors. All throughout the Old Testament and into the New, you see this metaphor everywhere. The shepherd caring for the sheep. Because the people back then understood the great sacrifice of the shepherd that was absolutely required for fearful and dumb sheep. Maybe you've seen this video. I love it. I could watch it over and over again. Check this out. I love that. Rescued immediately goes right back in. The Bible says, this is you and me. And we need a shepherd to lead us, to keep us out of the pit. We've been looking at a series about pastors and leadership in the church and deacons. God has given pastors to be the shepherd of his flock under his care and direction. But we also saw that pastors are sheep too. 1 Peter 1, verse 2 through 25 says this, For you who are like sheep have gone astray, but now you have returned to the sheep and guardian of your souls. So as we think about and as we contemplate what God has done in this last year, I thought it only appropriate to glory in our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Let's just see and savor him and all of who he is, our true senior pastor, our shepherd, In this anniversary, let's just see how great and truly majestic and wonderful he is. This is a contrasting passage. That means that Jesus is contrasting himself with the leaders of Israel. The leaders of Israel were intended to be the shepherds of the nation, but they were selfish and neglected their jobs. And this is what God says about the leaders of Israel through the prophet Ezekiel. He says, you have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, Bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for a lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild wild animals when they were scattered. So Jesus in our text this morning is comparing and contrasting himself up against the Jewish leaders that were supposed to be great shepherds and had failed. And Jesus is now saying, I am the good shepherd. It's one of his seven I am statements that he finds in the Gospel of John. And after he says this statement, he unpacks what it means for us to know and follow the good shepherd. To show that we are not good and that he truly is. And he's brought us this far. Let's sit together at Christ 
as we seek out him for the future. This is what I want you to see first of all. Jesus is the only good shepherd. Jesus is the only good shepherd. Look at verse 7 again. Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Jesus is the only good shepherd. Several messiahs had come along up until this point. That is people who said they were going to save Israel and bring them out of captivity. And they were the ones that were going to bring liberation to the nation. God's chosen people. But Jesus says, all who have come before me are fakes. The only way to enter into my sheepfold, to enter into a relationship with God, is through me. I was talking to a guy just the other other day, and he said, Brad, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get to God. And everybody has their own way. And as long as they're sincere, we all end up in the very same place. And I think that voice of this man that I was talking to is representative of a culture around us. As long as you're sincere, no matter how you're seeking, God will honor that and he will bring you to him. I went to school in Pennsylvania and I was living in Iowa and so I'd come home for break. I'd have to drive all the way back to northeast Pennsylvania. And one time I was making really good time and I stopped for gas on the edge of Ohio and began driving the rest of the way to PA. And I was thinking, man, I'm making really good time. This is awesome. And uh, as I was driving, about 30 minutes later, I saw a sign that said, Youngstown, Ohio, 10 miles. Now, if you don't know that, that's traveling in the opposite direction on I-80. And I was very sincere that I was going in the right direction. But unless I turned around, I was never going to get there. Here's what Jesus is saying. I am the only way. Now, to some, that sounds hateful. It doesn't sound kind. But it's actually very loving. To say that there is one way to God, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The way to God is exclusive. It's through Jesus Christ. But it's open to everyone. And the most loving thing that Jesus could say is everyone else was robbers and thieves. It's actually not their sincerity. It's actually unkind of someone else to tell you the other way. That's why he compares them to robbers and thieves. It's why you lock your car. I was at Quickstar getting this morning uh, a, a, a Red Bull. And I was there and I locked up my car because I knew I had stuff inside my car. That's what you do because robbers and thieves, they aren't welcomed. Some of you have security systems in your homes. When the ADT alarm goes off, you don't say, oh, great, we have guests. No. You're like, what is going on? We've got to see what's the matter here because robbers have bad intentions. They only want to bring destruction. And this is what Jesus is saying. Anyone else who says you can get to God, that you can get into the family of God through any way else but me is only leading you to a path of destruction. And you need to be aware that I am the only good shepherd that can bring you into the fold of God. Aren't you glad that God has made a way through Jesus Christ? Verse 9 and 10. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. If anyone enters by me, he will come in and go out and find pasture. 
A thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus is the life-giving shepherd. Jesus is the life-giving shepherd. He isn't just speaking about eternal life here. But he is talking about if you follow me, you will experience joy and purpose and the way that life is meant to be right now in this moment. He doesn't say that life is going to be easy from now on. In fact, it will probably get harder. But if you follow me, I will lead you into true joy and freedom. Now, some of you who don't know Jesus are thinking, dude, that does not sound like freedom at all. I've met a lot of Christians, and they don't look and sound like free people. And rightfully so. Not all of us are always the most joyful people ever. Not in person, and especially not online at times, right? And you've seen that. And you've seen Christians saying, really, that's not what I want to aspire to or what I'm called to. Well, as Scott said in the video, nobody's perfect, but we serve a perfect God. And so Jesus is calling you to experience life the way it was meant to be, to turn around and to have your direction change to trust him. Did you know that uh, sheep, if they get caught in a corner, they just stand there and they don't know how to turn around? Someone who's a sheep farmer maybe could confirm that, but that's what I've read. Um, is that true? Yeah, kind of. All right, it's, it, don't ruin the illustration, Janae, please. Uh, I'll tell you this. Here's another way of putting it. When I was a youth pastor, I used to have high school students and junior hires that would invite me all the time to play Call of Duty with them. And I was terrible at Call of Duty. They were extraordinary. And I was the guy that was in the corner that was just doing this. <laughs> right? Like, I had no idea how to turn around once I got in the corner. And I, they'd come up behind me. And they would just say, hey, just touch this button. And they'd immediately shoot me in the head. I'd be like, oh, this is great. Awesome. Jesus is saying this. You might not realize it, but you're in a corner right now, and you think you got it under control. You're like, I got this. I don't need any help at all. But Jesus is saying, if you follow me, I will turn you around out to health and into great green pasture. He's the only true shepherd. There's so many other people that are calling you saying, this is the way to life. It's a relationship. It's career. It's living the high life. But Jesus says, if you want to find true freedom right now and in eternity, it's found in following me. Jesus is the only good shepherd. He's the life-giving shepherd. Jesus is the protective shepherd. Verse 11 and 13 says this, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not, part of, is, is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them. Runs away when he sees the wolf coming. The wolf snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is the hired hand and does not care about the sheep. Jesus is a protective shepherd. He contrasts himself with the hired hand. You know what that is. Someone that was hired for the day that says he's going to work really hard, but immediately when danger comes, they're out of there. When I was in high school, I worked at the Southridge High V. And I remember one summer they gave us t-shirts that had Regis Philbin on the front of it because uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was really popular at that time. 
and it said on the back your final answer, and it was like, expect more from an employee-owned store. And we put on these t-shirts, and we're like, yeah, we kind of own this place, don't we? Well, that was making $5.15 an hour. I didn't own any of it, but it felt good to say, I'm part owner of this store. But then customer service got held up a few nights later at night, and I was like, yep, I'm out of here. No ownership at all. Get as far away as I can, right? Because if you don't own something, you're only a hired hand. When danger comes, you do not care. Listen to this. When hardship and danger comes into your life, if you are in Christ, Jesus looks at you and he says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm fully committed to you. Not because you're amazing or extraordinary or the many gifts that you can offer to me, but because of who I am, I'm not going anywhere. I will protect you, I will save you, and I will defend you from all this world has to bring against you. Because Jesus is not a hired hand. He is your shepherd if you know him, and he will defend and protect you. Verse 14 and 15. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus is an intimate shepherd. I was reading a book these last couple of weeks. And it was talking about, the author was talking about how you can really only be known by ten people. I mean really known. And be really close to just five people at a time. That's part of being a human. You don't really have the capacity to be close to more than five people at that. But Jesus is human, so he can relate to you, but he's also God. He is unlimited in his capacity to know every one of his sheep. And he's calling you into a real, thriving relationship That's why Peter can say, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and you're filled with inexpressible joy. Look at verse 3 and 4. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought his own outside, he goes around ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. You know, one of the things that I love is when someone remembers my name, right? Do you love that? And you can totally tell when someone doesn't remember your name, but they're playing it off. You've seen that before. And maybe you've been in that situation before where you know you've met someone several times and you've lost their name in your mind. And you can't wait till like the first time you see them with a name tag on, right? And then it's like, Joe, hey, and you say it like five times over and over again. Isn't it wonderful when someone calls you by name? That means they know you. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and he call, I call them by name. He calls me Brad. He knows me. He calls me into intimacy. And what is intimacy? It's to be fully known and fully loved. Meaning that Jesus applause and cheers when things are going well in your life he's thrilled for you and he knows about them 
And the things in your life that you wouldn't want no one else, you'd be mortified if anyone else found out about it. The thoughts that go through your mind on a given day, anyone else you say would never even talk to me. Jesus knows every single one of those things and says, I still call you by name. I am your shepherd. I know you. And I'm calling you into intimacy. The same type of intimacy that the son has with the father. Did you see that? He says, known, I know them, they know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. This is a next level relationship here. Do you think the Father and Son have a pretty great relationship? You bet. From, the, from eternity past up until now and from eternity forward, the Trinity is in perfect relationship together. They know each other so well, every detail, and they love and they celebrate their relationship. And Jesus says, I'm calling you into a relationship with me, the same kind of relationship that I have with the Father. Do you take advantage of it? Do you take advantage of that relationship that you have with Jesus? It's so easy as finite humans to forget about this intimate relationship that God is calling us into. We can get so caught up in so many other things. Just last week, I was thinking about this as I was prepping for this message. Last week, it had probably been about three days since I had spent really good time with God. And God said to me, you know what, Brad, you're doing a lot of really good ministry type things. But that's not living in relationship with me. You're telling other people and, and counseling them how to live in relationship with me, yet you're neglecting that yourself. And I'm brought back to, by his grace, Jesus continually calls me into intimacy again. What a gift we have from God and the Father to have the same type of relationship that they have. Next, I want you to see that Jesus is a welcoming shepherd. Jesus is a welcoming shepherd. Verse 16. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. Well, what is Jesus talking about here? Now, remember who he's talking to. He's speaking to the religious Jewish leaders that he starts off with. Whenever he went somewhere, he would speak to the Jews that's why Paul says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So he's talking here first of all to God's people, the Jews, but he says, but God's plan is so much more than that. As God's desire is not to save one people group, but all people groups. And God says, there are some that are not a part of this fold that's right in front of me that are still out there. People that are not Jewish, Gentile, that had the same opportunity to come into the fold as one new people under one shepherd. So Jesus says, it's exclusive how to get to me. It's through me, but it's open to everybody. And the way that you get in is you have to realize that you're a sheep. I was at the state fair like many of you last week. And first of all, we went to the, the horse arena. You know that new beautiful one they built? And we're in there and like the, these beautiful majestic horses are, are trotting around. And there's someone in the middle like calling out what the horse is supposed to do next for the trainer to, uh, 
tell them what to do next. Trainer's not the right word. All you equestrians will come and correct me after this. Uh, but, you know, he says, like, please show us a fancy trot. And then the horse stops and starts going. Right? Now a, a fancy canter. And it's like, ooh, right? And everybody's in awe of, like, wow. And the, the rider on the horse is like, yeah, I know. He's pretty good, isn't he? Right? And, like, they, they trot off, and then they circle him around, and they parade around, and everybody cheers. And then I went to the sheep pen after that. And oh my goodness, they're trying to show their sheep and the, the guys are like holding their necks up. One of them just like grabs them underneath, like totally throws them into the sheep pen. And it's just this, this debacle of just trying to get the sheep to stand still for just a couple of minutes. And I think we like to think ourselves about that prancer, that horse that is beautiful and majestic when God says, if you want to come into my family, you have to see yourself as a sheep. You can do nothing. It's all done by me. One of my favorite pastors, uh, Ray Ortland. this is the mantra of his church. He says this. Our Emmanuel mantra is, number one, I'm a complete idiot. But my future is incredibly bright. And anyone can get in on this. So if you can first acknowledge that you're a complete idiot. And then see that your future is incredibly bright and that anyone can get in on this, a relationship with Jesus. You'll be saved and you'll be brought into God's family. That's why Jesus says, everyone the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. Well, how is that possible? Look at verse 17 and 18. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to take it up again, and I have the right to, I have to receive this command from my Father. Last, or next, I want you to see that Jesus is a sacrificial shepherd. This is how you can come into God's family and be a part of God's fold is because Jesus has sacrificed his life for you. There were many sacrifices in the Old Testament. Sheep were dying all the time. But the difference was there was never one sheep that was willing to die. It was always unwilling, was chosen to die on behalf of the people. Jesus says, I willingly lay down my life. Jesus was not a victim. He was a conquering hero that stands in the place of sinners and willingly laid down his life. And so the theme around the throne of God at the end of time when all of God's saints are gathered together, we will say together in one voice, worthy is the lamb who's been slain. That's to say slaughtered. Worthy is the lamb who has been slaughtered on our behalf. You see, Jesus, the good shepherd, became a lamb to die for the sheep. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive glory and honor. And the Father and the Son have planned this before the foundation of the world for you and for me. J.D. Greer says, the cross shows us God's willingness to save the resurrection shows us his power to save. Because a dead sheep can't save anyone. That's why Jesus says, I willingly lay down my life so I can take it up again. Jesus, lastly, is the victorious shepherd. 
Jesus is the victorious shepherd. Let me tell you just a little bit about him. It was morning on Sunday, and two women went to the tomb. An angel greeted them and said, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Yes, our shepherd has risen from the grave, defeating death and sin forever, so we can say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Listen, Saints of Park Church, your faith is not in vain. Because Jesus is alive. And Jesus continues to work on your behalf. Forty days after the resurrection, he ascended through the heavens and sat down at the right hand of the Father Almighty. Signifying that there was nothing left to pay. Jesus says paid and full. And just as Christ was received into heaven, so will you too be received by the Father in heaven one day if you believe in faith. And as Jesus sits, he is working because he loves to make intercession for us. And when we continue to sin and you give into that addiction time and time again, Jesus pleads our righteousness. He doesn't do it on behalf of because of his sheep are righteous, but he proclaims it because of his righteousness that we now possess. And when we wander, Jesus leaves the 99 to come and find you. And he puts you up on his shoulders and he carries you back again. And he brings you back into the fold again, again, and again. Jesus is now seated, but he won't be seated forever because one day he will stand up and he will make his throne on earth. Yes, he will come to earth again, this time not as a humble peasant, but as the great king, the judge of the living and the dead. Sin and evil and the death, the great enemy, Satan, will be vanquished forever and Jesus will be king. And the dwelling of God will be with man. Heaven and earth will come together. There'll be no more night because the glory of God will be our light. Neither will there be tears or suffering for those former things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne will say, write these things down for they are trustworthy and true. I'm making all things new. I'm the alpha. I'm the omega. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. I will freely give to the thirsty for the spring of the water of life. Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon soon and his church responds maranatha yes amen come lord jesus and in the meantime we can cling to this truth the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters he restores my soul for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's stand together.